everyone. I'm Kathleen Gazzola. And I'm Molly Upstill. And this is Mum's Mum's Gone Gone Tropo. A tropical escape filled with laughter, candid conversations and heartfelt stories of motherhood and the incredible lives lived in the NT. From sleepless nights, the parenthood roller coaster and the heartwarming milestones, we'll share our experiences and have the privilege to sit down with a diverse array of inspiring women, some well-known and others are hidden gems. But all of them have fascinating stories to share about why they've chosen to raise their families in the magic of the tropics. Hello. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm a little bit stuffy as we can probably hear by my voice. Is this a daycare jam that's been shared with you? Oh, look. Who, who knows? knows? Probably. <laughs> really? You just never know these days. Oh, right? poor old Oscar. He's had to have, he had a raging temp on Thursday afternoon and had a day off work on Friday for him. And as I said to you when I rang you on my way home. It's, it's not mum guilt getting you, it's work guilt getting you. You just can't win. It's like, One I'm sorry, other, I feel right? so bad that I'm not at work. You know, well, I don't feel bad that I'm at work because I enjoy work. I get a lot out of work, but the, the mum guilt never leaves you, right? And no, that's right. Because you want to make I just feel sure like I'm copying it from them. both ends. Yeah, it's tough. But like I said to you, it's it's seasons, it right? It is, yeah. Like you kind of just got to weather it. And yeah. The boys are never going to be this little again. No, so. I know. Yeah. And thankfully, all the women in my office are mums and they've all been there. They all get it. It doesn't make it le- any less hard for me to go, I'm so sorry, I need to have a sick day tomorrow because they won't let Oscar back. Usually, Jack is the designated at home parent. He's got a bit more sick leave built up under his, you know, I'm in a brand new job. So, mm. but anyway. We roll with the punches and, you know, this is just life now, isn't it? And the most important thing is that he's okay. Yes, he is. He's really good. I think he had like actually a double whammy. I think he's just sort of copped two bugs at once, which is why he's been a bit under the weather. But this morning he woke up, I didn't even need to give him pan at all. That's always like an exciting moment, isn't it? After they've just like slogged it through yep. and you've gone past those like yep. couple of days that you're only meant to administer it, but like yeah, yeah, they need it. Yep. You know? You're like, just you will be fine. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, have a little yeah. bit of extra pen and roll. Like, awesome. Yeah. I don't have to give it to you. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We're on the other side. Yep. 100%. Mm. Um, so ahead of this interview, I'm conscious that this is a really good interview, but I just need to put it out there I ran into a friend of ours uh yesterday at Casuarina Jack had to go and get a haircut and so I loaded all the boys in the car and we went with him and I ran into a friend of ours and um she was shopping for a gift and we got on to talking about the cost of living at the moment and how hard Mm. it really is Jack and I are really lucky we we both have really good jobs and we have for quite a few years and I've I've never had to worry about dropping a hundred dollars on a dress or like buying nice skincare and it's probably taken us we had a fixed fixed rate mortgage until May and while our mortgage is not above average by any way shape or form it has just hit us for six yeah and it's taken us a couple of months to realize when I'm like where's all our fucking money gone, mm, right? Mm. And I ran into it, this friend of ours. She said to me after the after we sort of spoke about how hard it was and as we sort of each opened up to each other about, you know, we're getting smashed by bills. Jack needed four new tyres on his Hilux. That was $1,600 with a wheel alignment, right? Um, we've just got smashed with rates. We've um, Our home insurance has gone up and our home and car insurance is coupled together. So that's $450 a month that we have to find smashed left right and center with bills not to mention daycare and you know I I, we still are better off working than we are not sending kids to daycare at the moment and you know as we sort of both opened up to each other about you know getting railroaded by 
fucking Woolies and Coles mm. and every time you go in there. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts us every time we go to the groceries too. And Sally's so fussy with what she eats that, oh. you know, you have to you have to fork out for, you know, six to $9 punted of blueberries sort of thing. 100%. Because you know? like, that's definitely something she's definitely going to eat. Otherwise, it's a massive tantrum in yeah, the house and 100%. she won't eat anything and then it's a – a vicious cycle, but it is. Yeah, we've been slugged with bills over September and October. I had like car rego that oh, also yeah, rego. needed an inspection, that also needed oh, tires, right. that also needed something fixed on it. Thank God it was under warranty, so it wasn't you know all those yeah. extra stupid stuff comes with looking at a car. Steve also has car rego. We have rates. We had power, water. We've also had the boat registration, which you know we are lucky that we're able to. Um, manage that yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, I think Steve would just find anything, scrape all the silver together to well, keep his boat. Yeah. Um, Jack needs obviously two and his a half grand health. work done to his boat, his yeah, boat trailer. There's so many other things that have just literally within the space of a two-month period. Yeah. And I don't want to bring the conversation down because it is, it is depressing, but it is really important for everybody to know that's listening to this that you when you feel really alone when you're just like you can't even you know we're even doing things like no co- coffees at home you know mm. that extra $50 a week mm-hmm. goes such a long way at the moment and you're just you're not alone yeah even if that also doesn't help and you're already doing that and yeah. you're still struggling yeah, yeah it's definitely it's- everyone is in their same boat one way or another. Yep. It's bloody hard yakra out there. And, oh, here's an example. Last year I go to Woolies and I scan my Everyday Rewards card and I let my points accrue for the end of the year. So yeah, for the Christmas, too, yeah. last year I had $70. I was at $70 accrued for Christmas in July. Mm-hmm. So if that gives you an idea of how many extra, almost thousands of dollars we're spending – a really hard pill to swallow and I, I'm really conscious of not you know not bringing the vibe down because that's not what this podcast is about but it's hard yucker out there and you're not alone it was literally are you okay day this week 100 percent um and so yeah just sometimes you just need to hear that someone else has gone through the same yeah and uh you know we spoke to our friend I spoke to our friend yesterday and she said to me oh it's so good to know that I'm not alone yeah Anyway, let's rip into this week's episode. Mm -hmm. So we speak often of mum guilt and loss of identity on this podcast, but you rarely hear about it from the other side. Our next guest is here to change that. Frances Gill or Gilly is open about the heavy weight of dad guilt and the huge shift in identity he felt when he welcomed his first child and still feels as a dad balancing work, being home with his wife and three kids and a sport which he loves deeply. He's the principal of Cedar College here in Darwin, a dad heavily involved in Pint Football Club, loves cricket, and his wife, Jess. It's a classic case of you can have it all, but maybe not all at once, and a lesson in the changes that come as children grow. So please welcome this week's guest, Francis Gill. Alrighty, welcome Gilly to Dad's Gone Troppo. You're our third dad. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Do you know what I always find really awkward is when someone introduces you to a person that you don't know at, in their as their nickname. So you're obviously your name is Francis Gill, but I have only ever known you as Gilly. And I was thinking about this on the car on the way here, where someone introduces another person in their nickname, and I'm yeah. like, Yeah, g'day, and like I feel awkward. 
calling we, them we by their nickname. I'm like, I don't their even know you. Name is. Yeah, well, I get that a lot. Um, obviously, um, well, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure and uh, an honour. But um, as a teacher and now principal, I sort of still find myself introducing myself to our parents and our you know prospective parents as Gilly. Yeah, other um, kids like, like, oh, sorry, oh no. Gilly, and you're like, that's Mr. Gilly. <laughs> Yeah, well, we don't get Mister in our in our college. We're a bit more uh, informal. Oh, so it's, uh, By the first names and and so forth. But yeah, even in, in my case, it's probably even nicknames. So it's how good than, again. So. You're the principal of Cedar College. I see you on the TV all the time. Great ad. Yes, when Molly said we should get Gilly, and then you said it was uh, Cedar principal, and then your ad came on. I was like, oh. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, the, the old ad um, has cost me a bit of money at the football club, as you know, every time you. Um, <laughs> on a few cases because it's on every other ad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, look, it's um, very privileged to be uh, part of the, the college. And, um, you know, we've been a part of uh, independent school for, you know, two years now and um, been around in sort of Durham since 2013. And How good. Really enjoying it. It's a, it's a great program. We're fortunate to work with some really, you know, great kids and families. And it's obviously serves a, a real yeah. purpose. For, for the Darwin community. so Well, let's pin that. Well, I was just going to ask, so for people who don't know what how different Cedar is to another high school, are you able to give us a bit of a run through on that? Yeah, well, basically it, it started in Victoria in um, 2006 um, with an ex-principal or a principal at the time and saw a need for, for you know, students who were falling through the gaps, I suppose, um, with mainstream school. Um, and then from there... Um, you know, it grew really quickly in, in Victoria and um, I was fortunate enough to pick up a teaching role there um, in 2011 and had a few years in, in Melbourne teaching there. And and then the program started in Darwin in 2013. And um, it's probably out of all the states, to be fair, and territories um, best suited to the NT mm. because of our cohort of students and, and families and, and our love and passion for sport. Mm. Um, so it was it was something that really um, resonated with the with the community and 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 like other states grew really quickly. Yeah. So we you know we're in a really fortunate position that we've got a, an amazing group of staff um, that we're you know not only um, really close to at work but we're really close outside of work and and that obviously helps create a really strong culture. So the kids graduate with like a cert certificate in a field of their choosing rather than the usual year 12 qualifications? So basically it's just the, the students still get their year 12 certificate. So they start, come to us at year 10, 11 or 12, whichever, um, wherever they sort of fit into that piece depending yeah. on, um, you know, when they apply. But basically they do a Cert 2 at year 10, Cert 3 at year 11 and a Cert 4 at um, year 12 and that's in the sport and rec area, so sports yeah. coaching or sport and rec. But they also do on their the year, um, year 11 and 12 NTCT subjects along the way as well. So that allows them to get their year 12 um, certificate at the end, um, but also pick up a few pieces, uh, you know, a few accreditations along the way from yeah. a VET qualification. But the main thing for us is re-engaging students again in education mm. and bringing back that passion because, you know, so many students, you know, either fall through the crack or get go to year 12, but they aren't passionate about what they're doing. So by the time they're finishing, they're, they're they haven't really got an idea of what they want to do because they haven't had a, a real something that's driven them or passion you now that found that passion yeah. in those last final and important years of school. So I suppose for us, it's keeping them engaged in school long enough mm. for them to find that passion. Yeah. Um, and that's where the work experience is really important. You know, one day a week of work experience where they're going out. It's just, a, it's, it's as much about finding out what you don't want to do as what you do want to do. Totally. Um, so work experience for us is really big, but 
you know, we also do a lot of work in, in the community with, you know, primary schools one day a week. You know, all our classes are out in, in the community one day a week doing stuff with primary schools or with That's kids awesome. with disabilities or helping out our sport and rec partners. So um, with Big Gala Day, so they had Pink Power out in Palmerston last week and the, the students were out there helping those guys out with AFL and T, netball, whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. But those are the skills when they're out in the community doing that, giving back to, you know, society and, and – um, building those i suppose the uh, um the community um feeling and um it's a great feeling yeah, that so com- like giving back it is and then obviously for us you know sport is so big in the nt and if we're able to sort of build a, a sort of cohort of people that are able to feel co- comfortable that can go and volunteer at their local club or do all that sort of stuff then you know, I suppose that's benefiting the whole wider community as well, as well as these students who can then find a passion that they want to go to, whether that's university or a trade or, totally. a, you know, or, mm. or part-time work, whatever it ends up being. But, um, you know, there's obviously a need for it and, you know, our, our enrolments are really strong and, um, yeah, we're really passionate about making a difference. And it's clear that traditional schooling isn't doesn't work for every kid, so it's great to have that option for them to keep them re-engaged because if they're doing something, then they're not off doing a wrong thing. Right. That's right. And I mean, end of the day, um, yeah, traditional school serves a purpose. Um, but we've, we think we've known for a long time, to be honest, that we've got the mix wrong. It's probably the 80 20 instead of 20 80. Um, mm. you know, how many students actually go into university every year? And, yeah. but we still, um, still have a, such a big reliance on an ATAR score and, and so forth, totally. which p- puts a lot of stress on students doing exams. And, you know, it's all based on a number. And, the good thing now, that's starting to change because universities are starting to see, you know, um, take on students with Cert 3 or Cert 4 experience um, mm. into courses um, and that that that's changing, you know, that, you know, from a student's perspective, they're seeing that and going, well, I actually don't need to put myself under that amount of stress with yeah. exams and all yeah. these sort of things. I can pick subjects or or pathways that I'm interested in, but I can still reach the same goal at the end. Um, mm. And sometimes I think universities are finding that, you know, a lot of students going through the mainstream setting, are, um, you know, going there and doing an ATAR school and they think that's what they want to do when they go, you know, yeah. when they finish school. But it, they six months into a uni, uni degree and they're like, it's completely not what I want and to do And then all of a all. sudden they've got a hex debt they have to pay off. Correct. And I think I've said it before, I'm pretty sure. I love at the end of the year when schools would traditionally be like, congratulations to these students that have achieved band six, so 90 and above in English and maths and science. They're now taking out ads in the paper saying, congratulations to John who's got a plumbing apprenticeship, who's got an electricity apprenticeship, oh, who's going to go and pursue hairdressing and they've got these things that it's you know the university pathway isn't for everybody it's not everybody's cup of tea and it doesn't suit everybody and an apprenticeship or a cert for or whatever a person chooses to do is just a big achievement as it is to get a trade or well, that's to- why we've got all the the skill shortages isn't mm. it like we're not we haven't got a skill shortage in university degree no. actual like Trades and skilled workers. Yeah, I was at the NT News Futures thing yesterday, at, um, and that was you know really intriguing. It's the second year I've been to that, and you know it's very clear that our you know the industries that are going to be playing the biggest part moving forward in the NT are the you know the mining and the manufacturing mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. education and health. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're our biggest areas, um, and we need to be investing in our next generation of students with that, and, mm. and providing opportunities for them to not only um, you know, have work experience and, and those opportunities going to work, but then stay here, you know, yeah. and that's, you know, the, that's obviously a big thing about yesterday was 
you know, around housing and affordability and all this sort of stuff. So if we want students remaining in, in the NT, we've got to provide the opportunities for 100%. them. Um, and that's, you know, with CDU, with the uni, everyone's mm. got a, a part to play in. We're a very small part as a, you know, secondary education program. So, so important. Righto. Well, hit us with your dad stats, Gilly. <laughs> dad stats, yeah. Um, so three beautiful kids. Um, yeah. Two boys and a girl, Harry seven, Lenny five, and Audrey three. And Audrey um, was a little surprised, wasn't she? She was a little surprised, <laughs> a, a beautiful surprise. A beautiful um, surprise. I never use the word mistake. Um, no, definitely not. Um, it certainly wasn't that. We, it's, um, yeah, we were fortunate, and it's been a, a blessing, like uh, just really breaking up those the boys. The boys and, yeah. But, um, you know, the love they've got for each other is amazing. Don't get me wrong, it's you know, I feel for James down here when he's, <laughs> the kids are going nuts upstairs. And um, but you know, they that love hate relationship that all siblings have. And yep. um, you know, we're very fortunate that we've got three very very healthy kids who um, are in a loving environment. We're in a, a beautiful space like Darwin, and yeah, amazing friends and family around. And um, yeah, and it's you know just a, a great place to bring kids up. It so. was so funny. Audrey's three, and she just said to Jess, who is Gilly's wife, who is upstairs looking after the two kids for me, well, because like Jack's working today, <laughs> and Audrey laid out the plot cloth, um, the muslin wrap, and said, "Oh, mum, let's put Oscar on the muslin wrap." And then Oscar grabbed it, and she's like, "Mine." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no, no, that's mine. three. Yeah. That's three. If I've ever seen it, you know, you break down. You've got the boys and what they just automatically go to and then you just think okay we've got the same toys we've got the same things in the house and whatever else and you have a girl and you're like oh well this is going to play with this but it's just that um, maternal maternal instinct of a a Mm. a girl already at her age of three she's got the baby she's patting it she's wrapping it up she's doing (laughs) something where do you get that from yeah so intriguing i find it so amazing that you know they've got all these other toys here and she does play with a lot of the other stuff as well but you know, so often you see her coming out of her bedroom with a, a little baby little wrapped doll. up and, you know, patting <laughs> her. So and, then, and then she want to, she'll put Jess and myself down on the bed or Lenny or Harry on the bed and wrap <laughs> us up and pat <laughs> us to sleep. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know, like when we're cooked, I actually don't mind going, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go and have a little lay down for yeah, you. So I, can play, sweetie. I can play baby for a little while. <laughs> just getting out of your hair. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Has yeah. yeah. she softened the boys? Oh, look, the boys are at that age, aren't they, where they're starting to um, find their personality, I think, seven and five. You know, they've um, – Lenny's the middle one, a very different cho- uh, kid to Harry. He's very soft and, yeah. um, you know, very compassionate and, and caring, whereas Harry's a bit more gung-ho. Go fight me. Um, probably a bit more like my personality, to be <laughs> honest. Um, and probably, you know, a bit hot-headed at times. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> – um, they're very different. It's you know, you, as I was saying, you got three kids that grow up in the same conditions with the same parenting styles and whatever else, but they're all so so different. And, yeah. Um, you know, I think that's what's special about being it's a parent. Really cool. You've sort of got to work through Definitely. all these different things and and cater to different needs as a parent. Yeah. You know? And do you um, think your experience working with kids from obviously a huge and varied background has made you come to your parenting different? So you know. T- using your parenting style but adapting to each different kid according to their personality traits or do you think it's like you know this we're parents this is how we parent and all of you will fit in in your own way i think it's a bit of both i think what um working in education is sort of done for me in terms of being a parent is put perspective on things is understanding that you know i, I see some you know work with a lot of kids who've got some very difficult you know, backgrounds or different, mm. um, come from very different circumstances. So 
you know, I'm fortunate when I come home and, you know, I can put that into perspective of how important that is that I've, I've got an environment where my three kids are growing up and um, in a very loving and caring mm. environment with a, a, a roof over their head and, yep. um, you know, got the ability to go and play sport and do these sort of things. And um, so, yeah, I think that's, you know, a bit of appreciation from that. Um, I, I definitely know my patience has improved having had three kids. Actually, talking you- about that, can I tell you the funniest story? Only like back in February or March, I was standing next to you at TIO Stadium watching the footy and it was finals. I think the girls were playing and the boys and Audrey you were like, you have the entire stadium. Why do you have to be at my feet? You're like, look at all this space you've got. Go and play almost anywhere I remember else. the exact moment because you're sitting there and you're stripping with sweat at TIO so Stadium in March and finals me. time. I'm like, they just want to sit right on top of you. There's seats. I don't know exactly when you were talking Oscar about. I'm a like, newborn, I'm pretty sure, only a few weeks old. Like, like, And it happens all the time. You're like, I love you guys, but every part <laughs> of me so is dripping funny. with sweat at the moment and you want to come stress. and sit on top of me. Well, like, run around your feet you're yeah. like you have an entire footy over on venues like so, please but yeah that, that's part and parcel isn't that's it, it. You, and i mean you can the, the easy thing to do in those situations is the same with anything outdoors with kids camping you know going on holidays doing all these things going to the footy you can stop doing that and you could just stay at home and um yeah, yeah just do the easy stuff yeah um as a parent or you can decide to know we're going to try and keep pushing through this, understand that shit's going to hit the fan from time to time. Yeah. Um, you're going to probably have to cut it short when you get out to some of these things or you're going to have to change a nappy or you're going to have to go and do this. Um, you just get better at it, you know, yeah. and if you don't try it um, and you don't try and push through those challenging times, I think it becomes harder as a parent because you become really you miss out in, on a lot. In, yeah, insular and yep. um, and sort of stuck in your own little bubble. Yeah, um, yep. So that's why I love Darwin about, you know, those sort of things because – it is only five, 15 minutes or 10 minutes, you know, if you want to just if you have come to home. Or you, know, yeah. you can go, mm. give it a try and, and be home and if totally. it doesn't work. but And then you also, you know, like you said, Molly, you're at the footy club or, you know, for, at work for me or wherever it might be and people understand your circumstances. So, Everybody gets you it. Yeah, you just get up and, you know, the boys or the kids might be out in the footy ground having a kick and they'll see it and you're like, oh, well, Audrey's losing it. Someone will come over and, you know, And that's pick the up thing. The Someone will come do it. It's not like... That's the feeling of a club. We have it. My husband plays for Pirates Rugby. Shout out to them. Um, And, yeah, there's all these kids running around and you just know that you're like, oh, where are they? Oh, so-and-so's got them. They've gone around there and they've got all the other, like, Pied Piper chasing after them kind of situation. (laughs) And that's what the memories I have of growing up in the country, you know, in the bush, you know, in Victoria, it was like you you felt always felt safe um it was never that feeling mum and dad had oh where's where's the kids you know mm. it's like you go to the footy on a saturday or you go to the cricket or you you know you finish school at three o'clock but you're not coming home till six you know, it's like it was just you know those are the things that was always that safe feeling and yeah i think that's part of being back here for us and um, wanting to bring our kids up here as well mm. is that you know we're in an amazing court here there's a lot of kids in this court and We've always said, you know, similar to people in Bayview, where they want to put the gate up at the front of Bayview. We're pretty similar in this street. We've got a really good bunch of families in our street here and um, the kids, you know, it's um, not unusual to see some of the kids just walking through our gate, jumping on the trampoline, you know, and then going back home <laughs> oh, and vice versa, you know. <laughs> so, like, oh, does your mum know you're here? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. all right, no worries. But, I mean, that's amazing, you know. Like, yeah, and, you know, You've got that feeling special. of safety and yep. um, the kids can sort of grow up together and they'll just walk down to the, you know, the footy over for a kick or whatever. So, that, you know, that's really special and then it sort of 
um, I suppose, and then takes that to the next level when you go out into the footy club or the cricket or whatever you might be doing. So. Yeah. And to circle back to what you said about um, how you were talking about the kids that you have at school from so many very different backgrounds who, you know, aren't getting that love and, and don't have that that safety and freedom to go do the kinds of things that your kids are here. Is that one particular thing that you want to instill in your kids of how lucky that they are, that they're in that type of family, that they can do that, whereas these other kids, unfortunately, have been dealt, sadly, a bit of a shit hand? Mm. Yeah, I think that's important for all of us in ENT with this is understanding that um, the circumstances that we, we live in. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think anyone's shying away from the fact that you know we've got our challenges. Um, yeah. Education, in particular, um, you know, has got a big part to play in that. Right across the territory, and trying to get kids to school and, and keep them there and engage them, because you know that's the challenging thing, isn't it? When <laughs> you know we know the stats around, you know, if year three, if you're sort of if you're not sort of engaged and year remaining, year three, yeah, you know, that's as early as it get, you know, oh back to gosh. year three, and if, if students aren't you know engaging in education. By that stage and are getting some support at home with reading and these basic skills then every couple of years you, you fall behind you know so that next year level you fall back mm. to and, and it just it becomes a real challenge obviously we're at the top end of that year 10 11 12 yeah um but you you do see it you know yeah. and so for us we're sort of picking out the pieces by the time you're almost get like there. the final chance yeah right? and so many you just think by that stage how many have actually gone through the slip right through the cracks and don't yeah. even get that chance but you know so for us you know, you know, we've got a, a big responsibility, but also we're trying to make sure that it's not a, a free ride in our system as well. Like you've got students got to understand that it's an opportunity. You work with them and, and do the best you can and um, in different circumstances. And the big one is you can't judge every student or every family the same. Of course. It's just got yep. to be tailored to a circumstance and appreciate that this is – this is a different hand and you've got to deal with it differently. The consequences mm. can't be the same for that individual as they are for that family who have, you know, living maybe where we are in Rapid Creek with a really, you know, solid and, and great base, you know. Yeah. Like, so it's, you know, they're the challenges and sometimes I think um, for us in education and maybe particularly my role as a principal, you're dealing with some parents and sometimes the parents are the hardest people to deal with totally. in education because their expectations or they don't have that, um, I know, the ability to, put themselves in other people's shoes yeah um, and so yeah i think that's you know from my going back to your question i've gone a bit long-winded there but you know i hope that our kids have got that perspective you know yeah. growing up in the nt you, you you've it's a very multicultural um you know city or town um you're at school with very different you know um nationalities which is amazing yeah um, so lucky and it just gives you that perspective so you know our kids are you have know, got um, they're eating laksa for breakfast and, yeah, and you've got different friends from you know, different cultures and you're like how good's that greek for dinner you know, yeah you're growing <laughs> up with different people and um they're going around to their house and seeing things completely done you know done completely different to what yeah. we do here and yeah. that's yeah. so important yeah totally. so, well can we start back at the start yeah. and how you found your way here yeah, um, it's an interesting one. Um, as I said, so CETA started up here in 2013. I'd been teaching the program um, for three years in, in Melbourne and, and Jess was at the Herald Sun at that stage as a marketing manager and um, we'd, we'd grown up, Jess and I have grown up in a small country town in Robinvale, um, up in the Mallee of Victoria and went to school together and, and, um, and then ended up finding ourselves our, um, in Melbourne. So are you high school sweethearts then? We are. Oh, cute. <laughs> um, yes. So it's been a long, long time. I think we it was year nine 
uh, that we've been together. So I love that. I love that. It's, it's a long time. We've obviously had our challenges as all um, oh, relationships do, and yeah. um, spent a bit of time over in England and Canberra and separated while she was at uni and different things. But yeah, ended up back yeah back together. It's it um, meant to be. Yeah, ten years sort of in Melbourne and being from the bush, it was like you know, it felt it was time and um, give the city a crack. Yeah, we had a, an opportunity. Um, sort of Jess, I just remember. The work was really stressful for her, and um, with the Herald Sun, and she was coming home late, mm. going to you know work early, and it, so it was one of those things in dark Melbourne winters. Ooh, and I just horrible. really remember it was really sort of sticks in my Sorry, mind. Sorry, had you already had the kids then? No, no, no okay, nine kids. Yeah, um, yeah, two thousand and thirteen. Yep. Um, and yeah, it was just come home one night, really upset. It was just so much stress, and um, the opportunity come up for my job to move, um, mm. and then. Just so happened that um, the marketing person at the time at the NT News um, was wanting, Carly was wanting to head back to Victoria herself. Um, and then there was someone in Melbourne who wanted to go to Geelong. So they did a three way swap. It was just crazy. So Jess <laughs> just was got meant a transfer. to be. Yeah. Um, I got a transfer. And, and yeah, we ended up here in 2014 and um, absolutely fell in love with it. Just an amazing place. Have you ever thought of Darwin before? No. No. <laughs> just a spot um, on the map. Well, like where to, you know, it was, yeah. we just knew Melbourne wasn't it. Yeah. Um, we'd bought a house there and had renovated and um, we were loving that side of it, but it was just so much other stuff we were missing. Um, mm. You know, it was not us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Darwin sort of come up and we thought, why not? And like most people, where you come from interstate, it's like let's do it for a couple of years and, yeah. and see how it goes. And um, we did that and met some amazing people. We ended up at the football club through another weird story. Um, Pine Football Club. At the Pine Football Club, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was, you know, we just happened to be living upstairs on top of another couple that we knew two stories down and we are at his 30th birthday and um, Chris Bucks, who was a coach at Nightcliffe for the last few years but was our coach at Pints, just got the role and, and ended up, you know, at a birthday there. He said, come down and have a kick. So typical Darwin, you know, you end up yeah. there and I go down for a kick. I hadn't played footy for 12 years or whatever it was at that stage because I've been following cricket. But, um, yeah, ended up at the footy club and the rest is sort of history. You met all these amazing people. and um, You mate- really sunk your teeth into Pint Football Club, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, look, I, I think I've done that with sport everywhere. It's just, <laughs> um, it's, I think it's part of growing up in the bush. Like, you, um, you know, your family is always involved. If you play sport in the country areas, you know, your family are generally always involved. They're always giving back. You, yeah. Uh, my your mom parents and dad are, are in the coaching, canteen. And canteen and <laughs> yeah. Morning teas or whatever it is and, and coaching. And um, so it's ingrained in our family. And um, yeah, I just felt that if I was going to be down there and there's a, something to do, you, you just get in and do it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I've always tried to um, give back to the footy club or creed club, whatever it was. But so yeah, we, we two years and, um, then we had Harry in 2016. Um, so that was, yeah, it was amazing. Um, but then once Harry come along, we're like, do we do whatever most a lot of people talk about and go, do we need to go back around family? And so, yeah, we decided to do that. Um, so we were here for and left in September 2018, I think. Uh, sorry, September 2016, and back to Geelong. Mm. And thought that was it. We yep. bought a house and we're starting a massive renovation and we're wow. going to be back around family and, and whatever else. And and did it feel, it felt like that? It felt good once you got there or were you already kind of like, once you got there, you're like, oh, I really miss Darwin. Oh, Didn't if think you've I been would. been to Geelong and been there in the winter, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, the wind just. Especially got, after leaving the dry season. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. not like a bit different if you'd left the build up and you're like, sweet, okay. Yeah, I can have a bit yeah, of the cool weather. Exactly. Um, 
And it was, you know, you got down, we were around family, which was great. Jess's brother and three girls and wife there and my sister and um, yeah. were there as well and um, family. And so that was amazing and got got myself involved in the cricket again. And so I did all the same things, you mm. know, moving to a new town, but it just didn't feel the same. Um, yeah. And there was something missing. And um, Did you know what it was? Uh, I don't know. There was a couple of things. And I, I, I Sort of when you sent your questions, there's a couple of things that, you know, you asked me um, the highs and lows of being being a parent or dad, and for me, it's a constant guilt. It was like um, of missing out or not being there or um, going to sport and doing those things. And I'd felt that was sort of played started started my first feeling of that came when I was in Geelong and I was still playing cricket. Yeah, um, Harry was there, and um, I was you know obviously Jess was at home we're both working I was working in Melbourne so traveling oh wow so it's um, a long way early yeah and up and back every day so that feeling of two and a half hours every day I'm missing out on my you know my family your life family and life Mm. whereas here it was 10 minutes and I was to work there was a really great podcast I could have recommended but we didn't exist back in 2018 (laughs) (laughs) but you know and it's one of those ones where you know I just found myself driving to training or leaving, you know, picking up Harry from daycare, driving to training, you know, well, Jess is at home feeding dinner and going through all that stuff. Mm. And I was just, you know, really upset um, and frustrated. I'm like, if I three, if I got stuck in three cars of traffic, I'd turn around and I'd go home. Yeah. Because um, it was just like, I, I don't, my head's not right. I don't want to be get training. I'd rather be at home. Mm. Um so yeah, but and that was on and off. You know, I still love the cricket. I love the the people I was playing with and the feeling I got from it. Um, and you know, Jess and Harry would just always come down, and my sister. It was a really you know great atmosphere. But that was my first sort of inkling of that maybe I need to give this away and spend more time. And because you'd yeah. already experienced that life, you'd lived that life. You love it still, of course, but your priorities have shifted, right? And yeah. when I did read your answers to the questionnaire, I don't want to say that I love that you wrote that because obviously it's a terrible feeling, <laughs> but. I loved how open you were about that because everyone, you know, especially mm. mums, we talk about the mum guilt and all of that kind of stuff and you're there and you want to be doing other stuff and then you feel bad about it. But you really don't hear a lot from dads the other saying side. that they feel guilty either. Like mm. it's part and parcel of being a parent almost. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I think, like I'd be surprised if most dads don't feel yeah. it. It's mm. just sort of that it's expected, isn't it? You go to work, there's, you know, things are changing, which is great, you know, in terms of the, the, the role of both parents these days mm-hmm. and the work life balance and different things but you know for me that's the sport was an easy one that I could you know I'd had my time um and Jess and myself had been together for a long time and she'd put up with a lot of bloody cricket games and a lot of long Saturdays <laughs> yeah and couldn't go on school you know on holidays during the summer and so I felt look I'm at that point where it's probably time for me to stop being a bit selfish now and and give back to you know that um the family and Jess as well mm-hmm. um so yeah, so that's that's sort of how it all came about. And then 2018, we had Lenny. Yeah. Um, Still in Geelong. In Geelong. Um, so you had that feeling for on and off for a while. Yeah. Oh, that's where it really started. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then Lenny came along in in 2018. But we'd already made that decision um, that we're coming back to Darwin by then. Um, yeah. Okay. We were three quarters away through a massive renovation. Um, Was it, it like finish house. that, then you can sell it, and then come well, back? Well, well. Yeah, we, we hadn't sort of thought about that stage. It was, you know, the plans were the renovation was going to be our 10-year-plus house, you know, and 
Um, so we'd spent a lot of money and a lot of mm. time and invested a lot. And you know what it's like, Molly, renovating with kids and it's a lot. Um, you know, trying to do that. So there, the guilt came into that as well because every spare minute I had, I was out doing yeah. stuff for the renovation. So yeah. it's sort of. But the, the other, when I look back, it, it was actually amazing because Harry used to come out and he'd grab his little drill and so you know, cute, he'd grab isn't his it? shovel and he'd do all these sort of things. So there were so many fond memories I have of it as well. Totally. So you're halfway through a renovation. Like what was the decision to come to Darwin like? Like surely you were you, you saw the light at the end of the tunnel of a renovation on your forever home but you were thinking about Darwin. I, I don't actually know. I, I felt like Jess and I never spoke about it. It was really weird. It was just something that sat in the back of both of our minds. Um, and then all of a sudden, something just triggered. We're like, what are we doing? Mm. You know, we love Darwin. We've got an amazing group of friends. The lifestyle suits what we, mm. who we are as a, as a family now, mm. um, but also what we grew up with. So we're familiar with it. Um, and the, the pullback, and don't get me wrong, like the family is, our families, both families are really, really close. Um, so hard to leave that. Very hard to leave, obviously. But, when you put it in, you know, for us it was like, you know, family's always there and yeah. um, if you're close, you'll make things work yeah. regardless of where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for us it was about where we wanted to bring our kids up and where where were we going to be the happiest, um, you know, because our kids deserve mum and dad to be happy. Yeah. Um, because if we're happy, then, you know, you're, you're sort of bringing kids up in a really positive environment. So, yeah, we, <laughs> we sort of woke up one day and goes, Let's go. We, I made a phone call to um, my ex-manager up here at the stage and said, look, is there something something for me if I come back? And he's like, absolutely. Um, awesome. So that was the first tick. You know, job was there. Um, Jess was on maternity leave at that stage, so it was something like, okay, we'll work through that when we get there. Yep. And it's not um, like there's no opportunities in Darwin Well, it's in funny. That like, space. She ended up back in Geelong at the Geelong Addy, so it was another transfer. We both transferred with work again when we left Darwin <laughs> and then – come back and Jess ended up at the NT News again when she come back the next time. So we, we did a three-way transfer um, yeah, really? with our jobs, which is um, over a five-year period or three-year period. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, as I said in the in the um, bit that I wrote, it was literally laid the last paver on our, um, our footpath up to the front door of our house on a Sunday, I think it was, and, and then we flew out on a Monday. Wow. Um, and then sold it a couple, little while later. Um, we rented it for a while and we just thought, you know what, we that was because we weren't we wanted to give it a go again and make of sure. Course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when we moved here, rented and then we're like, nah, we're ready. So and That's awesome. Yeah, locked in. Wow. And you've never really looked back now. You've got a beautiful house here in Rapid Creek. Audrey came along and in, in twenty twenty and um, we bought a house here in Rapid Creek in October twenty twenty. After that was when COVID I think we saw this house once. Everyone, the other people were here, and and then we never got to see it again because you couldn't do opens. It was just <laughs> that course, specific yeah. two-week period COVID or whatever was. it was. <laughs> yeah, weird. You think back now, but um, so yeah, we were sort of a bit risky. We we're like, nah, we really wanted it. the street was beautiful and, and so forth, and and yeah, um, we've been here since then. Um, an amazing you know, cohort of people, group of people that we live yeah you know, in our in our little community here, and um, it just feels like home. You know, yeah. yeah. As a parent, it's a fortunate thing that you come back and do these things, but it means I can go to, and just as the same, you can still be working. You can go to their little plays in the morning, still be in the office by nine o'clock, or yeah. you can, you know, there's something going on at, you know, home or at, at school in the afternoon. You can sneak out for a bit and get back to work. Yeah, you know, it's that flexibility, eh? Hey? That's stuff I could never have done if mm. I was in Melbourne and just as the same, you know, or Geelong or wherever we were. It's just 
so unique. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it means you're present. You know, the, the, that feeling you, you, your kid gets when you, they can see you when they're walking through at an assembly and they can see you in the crowd. Spot you in the crowd. Um, yeah, it's so special. You don't, you don't get those chances back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we made a real conscious effort to make sure we're there at every mm. one of them if we can be. And that allows us, being in Darwin, allows us to do that. And did you always want to have a big family? Like I know that you mentioned that Aubrey was a surprise, but um, you mentioned you came from a big family. Was to mainly your and Jess's intention initially and you're sort of like happy with that? Well, I think three was probably our number initially, to be honest, and then um lenny come along and i hope he doesn't listen to this in however many years time but um and yeah he, he was uh he's a you know beautiful young boy we love him to pieces but he was a challenge like harry was a pretty easy kid yeah um and but lenny was really really challenging um didn't sleep a lot at all oh, <laughs> um, during gosh. day or night mm. um and this is when we'd made this decision you know like you'd you to go away mind. from family? Correct. We'd, we'd already made the decision that we were leaving <laughs> Geelong and all the family and support mechanisms we had and then, holy shit, mm. we've got a kid who is not sleeping. Um, yeah. We're at work. I'm, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was. What did you do? Well, I mean, you just push through, you just don't go you? Through. I mean, at that early stages, um, I was still travelling up and back to Melbourne in the morning. Um, you know, we had mum and Jess's family, mum and... Um, brothers and sisters would come down and help us out for the first little bit and but then once we got up here it was like you're on your like you're on your own yeah. um mm-hmm. and it's great you talk about friends and having that there but they're not there at 2am in the morning no, and they're exactly. not you know there at this sort of times like they say it but you're like i don't want to impose on you like that <laughs> you've got your own stuff going on <laughs> yeah so look it was so challenging um and, you know, we, we later found out that he had some serious ear issues and, interject, you know, all the oh, colic and different bugger. things that, that contributed to all yeah. this. But until such time as we found out that and we were able to get some stuff in place and these ear issues are, you know, constant ear infections, which obviously then affected everything. Yeah, speech is, you know, just as, as you know, when you get an ear or tooth infection, it's Agony. horrendous. Yeah. So it was for him, it was constant. Um, and then obviously up here you're swimming all the time, and totally. if we weren't we weren't aware of it, so you'd just be in the pool, and oh, so it was just constant. Um, and that just that posed some really big challenges. So that's probably where I found myself at my lowest point as a dad, yeah. to be honest. Um, in a new role, new new responsibilities in the job. Um, you've moved back. Have we made the right decision? Um, you know, am I am I supporting Jess the way it should be? Um, yeah, what are we what are we doing? Yeah. So. Did you find that um the jump from one to two harder than the jump from two to three, or two to three was harder? So it seems to be, you know, depends who you speak to. It is. Um in this case for us it was definitely two to three was easier because Audrey was another pretty easy baby. Yeah. Okay. Um and we'd you know, we were comfortable in a good spot at that stage, you know, and everything was um but you know, you've only got two sets of hands, haven't you? So all totally. of a sudden, you bloody car seats. You got to, you know, you all these different things that are challenges. Have you ever tried to put three car seats in the back of a Mitsubishi Triton or a Ute? 
like no. in the bloody wet season or build up, like oh. every literally piece of your body is dripping and the swearing <laughs> and like it's frigging. I feel ridiculous. this on so many levels. So, We've all been there. I you know. know that every parent listening to this is just like, whoa. Yeah, the car <laughs> seat situation yeah. is so like, it's, And I come, like some, when family come up or people come up, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, but I cannot get you from the airport. Nah. No. Well, I'm not taking those three seats exactly. out for They're anyone. Yeah. Like, they are staying in there until those kids get a, leave. Get a taxi. Yep, yep. The airport's only so, five minutes away. Yeah, all those different challenges, you know, of having three kids. There's no spare seat for a parent or anyone else or picking anything. But, <sighs> um, but no, I think, the, yeah, the challenges with Lenny made it more difficult with the two and having mm. that transition period moving up here, definitely. Um, Jess might have a very different answer, obviously, but, um, yeah, we're very fortunate. I think Harry was at a good stage as well and mm. yeah um, what's the age gap between them two two years, years. each yeah two oh, and a bit yeah two, two and a couple of months each so yeah good gap um you know it's it means they're close to be yeah. able to play to play with each other and um they still like their own time yeah you yeah. know um, doing different things um but yeah they, they you know they get along really well and it's worked you mentioned before a loss of identity as a dad. I think that's really interesting because I often talk about my loss of identity and who I was before kids and who I am now and even just the way I project myself in the things that I wear, like how I communicate and I think for women particularly, you know, you got this new body, I've got stretch marks that will never go away and my boobs look like empty socks, but a loss of <laughs> So do I, Molly. <laughs> I'm sure Gilly, yeah, is really on that mark. <laughs> I did mention that when uh, – I'm sorry to interrupt, but, guys, but like, yes. I'm not sure what I can bring to this uh, podcast when we're talking about leaking boobs and um, <laughs> pelvic floors, but we'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll give it a crack. What, what was your – what do you mean by lack of identity and how did you move through that and discover that you had either lost a piece of yourself and did you find it? Um, yeah, it was a challenge. I think it was – Initially, as a as a dad, I just found that your, your number one job is obviously supporting your wife and your kids yeah. and and whatever. For me, it was whatever I needed to give up to make sure that that was happening um, was number one. So then, you know, for me, as I mentioned earlier, the sport was one that played was such a huge part of my life. Yeah, um, and being involved on committees and, and yeah. giving back. So every if I wasn't playing, I was I was doing something for the sports club or, or whatever that I was involved in at the time. So. And it wasn't until sort of recently I sort of um, sat down with Jess and had a bit of a chat around it. It was just like I hadn't really given it much thought that all of a sudden I went from being so heavily involved in all this stuff mm. and playing and other stuff as well and just socially and you just stop it. Yeah. It just stops. And I suppose you didn't have to. Mm. I didn't have to do that but it was a challenge that but you're an all I or nothing kind do. of guy, right? Yeah, yeah. and it, it was like, yeah, if I was on the footy club, I'd be involved in, and pretty heavily. If you Molly do it, you do, yeah, you do. Um, and if you do it, you do it properly and you're in 100%. Yeah, so then that's and then the guilt come back to it because I was on the committee at the footy club but I wasn't able to contribute what I was wanting to do. Yeah. Um, so then I wanted to get off that because I was like someone else, I'm letting the footy club down yeah. on that side of it as well. But, um, yeah, it, the, the sort of identity one for me is – I don't regret any of it because I've got a, an identity as a dad now and yeah. um, I want to make that, you know, yeah. a big part of it. But it was more the, the other stuff that other people you're known, you're known for outside of you. You know, like for me, 
Uh, my identity was really closely linked with cricket when I was you know, yeah. growing up and I coached a lot of cricket. And so if you go down south, um, when you sort of in those circles that I used to roll with, it was, you know, Francis Hill cricket, this, that, whatever else. Whereas I haven't done that up here. So very few people actually know that I played cricket, which yeah. I liked. Yeah. You know, when I moved here, it was just, yeah. And, and I started on the footy, you know, set up and um, with footy and I wasn't, I was just playing lower levels. I was happy to do that. Yeah. And, but just give back sort of that. Would you get but the call up to Premier League, Francis? Definitely not. <laughs> nah, nah. You're like, yeah, I was happy playing that. I, like you were. Molly, I, couldn't even get, I couldn't even get through the warm up last year. I went down to help help Timmy out in the in the twos, and um, I, he said, "Come and have a kick." And I was like, "Mate, I'd love to come and have a kick with you, but can only train one night a week, possibly." And I didn't even train one night. I got literally halfway around the oval, did one run through, and did me calf. I was like, "Mate, I'm done. I'm out." So it was bloody embarrassing. Like. So I was like, I'm going to stick to walking the dog um, and, and um, helping you out, Timmy, where else I can. But, um, yeah, it's it's one of those ones, I think. Imagine you rocking up with, like, so much excitement and enthusiasm and then you're like, yeah, nah, boys, you keep going. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's like you're sitting there going, because I knew exactly I was going to, Timmy is going to give it to me. You know, Jim Bob's going to give it. All my mates are sitting there, Stolly. <laughs> They're going to sit there going, you are joking, aren't you? Like, you haven't even done like four, 40 metres. So anyway, I'm trying to push through and trying to push through and go over to the sideline, have a bit of a kick. I'm like, no, I'm properly done here. I'm stuffed. <laughs> so I just snuck out the back and like in the ute and off I went, you know. So was it that you didn't have the outlet anymore or that you felt you were missing out on things, that you didn't feel like you are present obviously at home and that's what you wanted to, to be there but – you know, everyone needs other things to fill their yeah. cup. So was it that your other mates were doing stuff and you weren't able to do it and you couldn't find that balance or ba- you just didn't have an outlet to get out stuff that you needed to get out? Yeah, the, the balance is one and Jess will rip me for this because um, she she is you know, really trying to push me to get out and do this, some extra stuff and you know, she just had the netball grand final last night and has been playing netball, which is great, but... The good thing with netball is it's a lot of it is six o'clock afterwards, so you're still there at the main times of dinner mm, and yeah. you know the games and whatever else is footy is, and and cricket in particular. Yeah, you know all, all day Saturday. Yeah, and, yeah, and I'm like, so those things, you know, it was just it was a no-brainer um, there. That the footy, you know, I, I love going down and taking the kids down because I still want them to be involved in that. But I just felt, yeah, the the guilt of not being home, being at work all day. And then coming home, um, and then walking out the door again. Yeah. You know, so um, during a pretty cr- crucial moment when it's bloody mayhem. Like, it is, yeah. You know, you're obviously doing a podcast around parenting, so <laughs> everyone who's listening, genuine idea of what it's like between four thirty or five and yeah. seven. Yeah, it's not a witching hour; it's oh, hours. Yeah, <laughs> get stuff to it. It's you know, it's crazy for two and a half at least. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, so it's being involved and being around in those. Those challenge, those little periods. Um, but at the same time, I haven't got it right. I, I, I do need to find something to do in that period of time. Mm-hmm. And and Jess is always trying to push you to get out and go. Just it doesn't matter. We're fine. I'm you know, always trying at- to get Jack to do more stuff. I love that Steve plays rugby. I think it is so important for all of us. He says until he does his next major injury, he's calf. He yeah. can talk to Gilly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it's important yeah. to have that camaraderie of a sport. And I'm trying. For me, I say I always say to Jack, you're at work all day. You love to come home to the boys and I get that, but you need something to do outside of your identity at work and your identity as a dad. It's really important. But I 
I think, and maybe you might agree with as with older kids that is it just a season that you know you're sort of in the trenches when they're really little, and then it might get a bit easier as they get older to be like, yeah, maybe I can get involved in footy a bit more because Harry can come down with you and be happy to, you know, because if he's not with you, he's kicking the footy with the boys or you know all the other kids. You're spot on. I think that's the sort of decision I've made, and I think that's come from from my dad as well. Um, growing up. I'm the oldest of five um, and dad worked, you know, to support us, you know, and had to do long hours. So, you know, he wasn't home during that period ever, like during mm-hmm. those times. Mum was flat out and, you know, but um, he always made the time to coach a footy team. You know, he'd, mm. he'd, he'd, you know, whenever he could, he'd get out and have a kick of the footy or hit, you know, or do whatever he could. And I still remember so fondly how important that was to me growing up. Like yeah. it was, he was still present when he could be. Um but he worked his backside off to make sure he's supporting his family during that period of time. But and the reason I say that is because it was a period, you know, it was mm. a it was a really busy period in mum and dad's life with five kids. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, surely any period in their life with five kids is a busy period. Yeah, yeah. And well, like we lived thirty kilometers out of any town. So we were on a farm. So yeah. you, you know, it wasn't those things. If you if you wanted to play sport or doing those things, you had to fully commit. You're in town for that after school for that period of yeah. time. But it got to the point where we started getting, you know, got to that age and, and dad started playing cricket again when I was there. So all of a sudden he, he was coaching footy, coaching the cricket under, you know, under ages. But then when I started playing senior foot cricket, dad started playing again. So then all of a sudden, you know, you, you've got that special connection That's back great. and, and yeah. mum would always be there with the girls at netball on a Sunday and, um, and we, you know, on the committee at the netball and, so I think for me that I know that's going to come around. It's actually why you know I stepped away from the, the Pine Footy Club committee for a couple of years because I've been so heavily involved. But I was like, I will be back there again yeah, at yeah. some point, and I'm I'm running the Oz kick, you know, and I'm happy to commit to that seven week period. Yeah, because my kids are there. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's almost like a f- you're still parenting at the same time, right? You're being yeah. a good example to the boys, and you can bring the kids now with you. It's not something that you do on your own. It's almost an extension of you know, your responsibilities as a parent, you can take the kids with you. Yeah, and that's right. And like Lenny started Auskick last year and he's like, Dad, are you coaching me again this year? Can you come down and run it? And I'm like, yeah, oh, mate, I'll be there, you know, and absolutely. Nice. And Harry's, you know, doing the older stuff. But look, going back to sort of Dad and that sort of growing up with him, playing that sport with him, I, I had the thought, you know, I was very fortunate to win a, a grand final with Dad, oh, you know, yeah. senior cricket, awesome. you know, and then my younger brother come through and, um, I was coaching the, the cricket team at the time and, and top, my brother started playing in the senior team. So me, dad and my brother were then playing in this cricket team. And, yeah. Um, you know, dad, will always, he, he sort of holds his hat on this. Our last ever game together in, in Mildura was um, he top scored out of both me and uh, Thomas at that <laughs> stage and um, he never lets us live it down. No, I wouldn't like, either. I, mean, I, I did get run out for a duck and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and one, so he only needed to make one to beat me or two to beat me. But... Um, but yeah, look, and it's just really fond memories, and I, I want that for my kids. Like yeah. Jess is playing in a netball grand final last night, and the three kids were there, and Audrey's sitting on the side, like, screaming out, "Go, mum! Go, mum!" Oh, and it's just so, so beautiful. And yeah. it's, you know, Jess wouldn't even realise it probably, but it's, she's such a role model to you know to be able to just get out there and during yep. busy periods still doing this, mm-hmm. um, and, and having a big impact on the boys as well, showing you know the boys that you know mum's you know still playing sport and loving yeah, it and, and it's important and getting out there so and that's you know that's why I know I'll get back to that yeah um, 
at this period at the moment, it's just busy and I'd yeah. bunker down for a little bit and do what you can. You know? I think any parent will understand. You, you recognised your dad doing before coming a dad or you only really mm. thought back on it once you became a dad and you're like, yeah, that actually means so much more than I realised. Well, it's funny. I, I think being an older brother, there's a fair, like I've got a youngest, you know, my youngest sister is a bit of gap between us. Um, it was during that period that I started to realise that how much our parents had done because we'd grown up, it's probably similar to Darwin in a sense where you, um, you know, if you get picked for a rep side, you've got to travel, you mm. know, so it's, you know, you're, you are isolated. You play your own sport and you're here, but if you get picked and so it's expensive for families yeah. and a lot of families up here play a lot of sports and, um, you know, so you, you're travelling and that was the same for us, you know, you you always, if you made any rep sides, you're having to go to Melbourne, mm. you know, and that's five and a half hours or five hours away. Oh, and um, so, but my parents always gave us that opportunity. You know, mm. it was like, it was never too much to ask. Um, so we'd play senior cricket on a Saturday afternoon, it was morning, eight o'clock, juniors finish at 11, senior start 12.30, play with dad, finish at six, jump wow. in the car, travel five hours to Melbourne for a two hour training <laughs> session, Yeah, jump in the car and come home. Oh my and God. then, so like that wasn't, that's just what they did. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I appreciated that early, yeah, early days. Okay. Um, and then, you know, they didn't stop. You know, it wasn't like, oh, we did that for the oldest and then it became too hard. Mm, they wanted to give they it to everyone. They just kept going. Yeah. You know, and then they sent our younger sibling, my younger siblings away to, you know, boarding school in Assumption and gave them the opportunity, um, you know, because the youngest obviously missed out on a few things when you got older kids and mm. it was like, no, nah, that's something that was really important and gave those, you know, the younger couple an opportunity there and same thing. We're down watching footy in Assumption or netball at Assumption and travelling mm. all Is over the Is Assumption a town? No, nah, Kilmore. Kilmore just out of Melbourne, oh, probably right. an hour. Yeah, right. Um, but a boarding school and, you know, an amazing sports school and whatever else, but a lot of country Vic people went there from yeah. where we're from and, yeah, and the, and our, you know, I know my brothers and sisters are so grateful, same as I am, you know, and um, yeah, it's it's something I probably haven't said it probably enough to mum and dad um, yeah. how grateful I was, but um, what they've instilled in all of us as kids is, um, you know, we're a close family, um, we've got really good morals, you know, and that's being instilled mm. through and giving back to the community is really important, so um that's what we try so to do all now. your brother so you've got one brother and three sisters yep does are all of them much the same as you oh look, that, yeah like they're all at different stages or, but, yeah. um yeah all involved in sport they've all had different stages with that um you know being you know playing or on committees or doing different things um i probably got involved a bit more in the committee's side of things and um that than probably the others but it was just my circumstances where i was at the mm. time and what i was doing so um but yeah, and then obviously being in a new place like Darwin, and if you can yeah. help out and jump on and do your little bit, and I mean the yeah Pint Footy Clubs was obviously unique, and Molly you've played yeah. there, so you know. And we never used to have any juniors, and um, or never, Premier League never side. the women, you know. And there was just two men's sides, and um, you know when we came back, it was like, well, we've invested so much on this committee, we've mm. invested so much time at this football club. It's where our friends are, and. I don't want my kids going somewhere else. Yeah, you know, to play at another club. Like, let's get the let's get the yeah. started. Oh well, even when I rocked uh, up today, Harry's wearing his little antling shirt, and yeah, yeah, and they <laughs> love it. Cute, you know? yeah. So and now we've we've got a heap of junior teams. We've got you know women's and, and men's is really strong, and yeah, you know, and I'm really proud of being able to be a part of that. Yeah, um, and give back to the community, and and now there's a new committee doing amazing, amazing things, things with that as well. 
you know, probably with a lot of people have come from a very similar background with their families and having had that exposure at sports and mm. country Vic, you know, as you said, there's a lot yeah. of people from country areas mm. or interstate. Yeah, there's heaps of Victorians in the Territory, mm. all escaping the winter. Yeah. So we are coming to the end, but I do have a couple of questions that um, one of my mates gave me that he listens and, you know, he gave me to ask my dad in our previous episode. But I think some can sort of uh, apply to you. Now that you have a little girl... Do you find yourself parenting her different to the two boys? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Short answer. <laughs> Was that um, an immediate thing? Oh, I'm so, well? yeah, I, she calms me down so much more comparison to the boys. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. Just a different tact um, mm-hmm. or a different approach with things. And maybe that's because I've got a bit more um, experience as a parent as well, possibly. Yeah. Mm. Um, and learned a few things. I think I said you know, I've had some challenges and, you know, Lenny threw up a lot for me. Um, and Jess and probably our relationship like any parents when yep. you're going through this and you've got slightly different parenting styles and whatever else. But, you know, for me with, with Audrey, it's like it's a blessing to have a girl. It's um, obviously, you know, she's really special in our family dynamic. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you, you quickly said, as I said before, like you've you got maternal instincts there. Like they're just different, so you, yeah. the approach is different. Mm. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, and with the boys now coming into school age, um, and you know having a teaching background yourself, how do you manage those difficult schooling experiences that they're going to experience, like bullying and mm. you know the different cliques that they then have to navigate, and just finding themselves that. As much as you want to guide them, like do it for them, you have to let them kind of find their way. What what kind of advice do you? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one, because like you you just hope that what your children are seeing at home and hearing at home and experiencing at home um, is having an influence on them so positively. So mm. like, I mean, it's it's anything from when you're going out, whether it's a footy club or the the rugby club or whatever else. It's interactions with people. You know, it's obviously having those conversations. If you're seeing something out in the community or out in the school ground and, and your child's coming home, and it has happened the last little couple of weeks, you know, there's been some incidents um, that the the, guy, the the kids have come home and said, oh, this has been happening and whatever else. It's like, well, how are you ha- – what are you doing? And they're yeah. only seven and five, yeah. you know. But it's like, what did you say, Did you know, or, or what could you have said? And, and sort of trying to have those conversations with them so that, um, you know – so they're aware of some of the reactions that you, you could get or some of the possibilities in terms of how to deal with them. Mm. Um, but like, as I said, the, we're so fortunate up here to have such a multicultural society. Um, they're going to be exposed to so many different things throughout their time. Um, uh, and if I suppose if as long as they're not hearing really rude and you know, stuff at home yeah. that – is going to translate to school or translate yeah. out into the community. If, if that's, you know, you, you're teaching your kids to say, no, that's not all right or, you know, stop doing that or, or whatever else. I think that's really, really important for for any kid. Yeah. Unfortunately, what sometimes happens in that circumstance at schools is those people who put their hand up to say stop or stop doing that end up getting bullied themselves yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah so, school terrifies me. Yeah, when it's, when it's challenging. It. It's, yeah. It is because... Look, in our setting at year 12, 10, 11, 12, you, you see beautiful families, you know, who have been ripped apart because yeah, their child's being bullied at school. 
Mm. You know, like, there's no reason for it. Like, and then so at that age, the, you have that additional level of social media. And absolutely, and that's the difference. Oh. You don't even want to go down that path. No, you I know, know. At schools and scary, all yeah. the other stuff that's going on. But you know, like, there's. It's just sometimes there's no real um, reason behind why some students particularly get bullied and some don't, and whatever mm-hmm. else. And then how you handle that, and um, I don't know. It's it's a tricky one. Unfortunately, yeah. Kathleen, I, I just hope, and we're fortunate that our student, uh, students, my kids, <laughs> are on the right side of it in terms of stopping it if they see it, um, mm. understanding what the difference between right and wrong, um, and that comes with interaction with other kids and demonstrating that yourself. Yeah, you know, as a parent, um, being a and, and being around great people, you know, yeah. like that's so important. You don't can't underestimate having a barbecue out around the pool, and you've mm. got five or six other families here with their kids. And we've always said, I'm more than happy for our our friends to pull up our child if something's going, you know, if that's not right. You know, yeah, you I say it. the same thing as well. You know, we you you're friends because you got similar morals. You know, you've got similar interests. So if also nothing pulls up a quid kid faster than someone else getting yeah, angry at you. Likely to listen, aren't they? <laughs> I know. So sometimes it's good being it's someone tactical. else. But, you know, it's one of those ones that it's a community thing and we talk about being away from family and so many people in Darwin are, are, are away from family mm. and, and bringing their kids up in an environment that's probably unique. You know, not, you don't have grandparents there all the time. You don't have aunties and uncles. Yeah. So My your friends become that. that. Yeah. You know, and they play such a huge role and, you know, I'm fortunate to have, you know, uh, James here is, you know, at my cousin and lives downstairs and, and he's the same. Like very, very clearly he'll pull something up with the kids and yeah. um, I know that his family, you know, got very high morals as well and um, so very comfortable with that. Yeah. Know? So that's where I think the next stage, it's a, it's a community responsibility, isn't it? So. Mm-hmm. Have you ever said to one of your friends when the kids are playing up like, oh, can you just growl at him for a second because then he'll definitely stop? <laughs> I can't do anything with this kid. Can you just get yeah. him in trouble? Because then he'll definitely well, stop. Then you got the other side of it, when you got some of your mates who didn't have kids at the time going, Here, you have that second chocolate. Or yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. I'm gonna, this is going to come back to bite you in a few years' time. I can yeah, guarantee one you. One of the boys at the rugby club is Uncle Lollies. Uncle Lollies. Oh. Passing him out. And you're like, oh, Brass, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Uncle Lollies. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, can we finish on this, one of the fun facts that you sent through? You really dislike sand? Oh, I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> I read that. I actually don't know. Like, compute with the whole outdoor you, lifestyle you wrote, kind of situation. You know when you put on the spot. It's like you, you live in Rapid Creek, like yeah. the beach is right down the road. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those ones when I was put on the spot. I was like, oh, fun five, five fun facts. I was like, that's probably one, but I probably shouldn't write it because you'll definitely ask me about it. But <laughs> Here um, I am. <laughs> I mean, not everyone's like, oh, rub me in sand. Yeah. But like, <laughs> don't actively I just, hate it. <laughs> I, it just gets everywhere um, <laughs> and I just find you're sitting there and you're trying to have fish and chips or you're sitting there trying to have some food or and it's the dog runs past and it might not be your <laughs> bloody dog, it's someone else's or it's someone else's kids yeah. and they're kicking sand and all of a sudden you've got a nice bit of yeah, the grit, food and you're the crunching grit. it yeah. and then you're like, you're jumping into your nice clean ute and they've Sand, sand everywhere, and then you're like you're bringing it home, and you got towels, and you're shaking them, and the, the kids will very much shake them all over. It, you know, the and they don't shake them outside; they shake them inside. Yeah. And look, I don't, I do like the beach, and I do like <laughs> doesn't sound um, like it. Wa- walking the dog or going down with the kids and whatever else. But there's just certain aspects of sand that I <laughs> battle with. Um, yeah. So surely yeah. people relate to that. 
No one likes sand <laughs> in their fish and chips. Molly will put it like... up on the Instagram. We'll see how many. <laughs> yeah, do I'll a poll. put a poll up. I'll yeah. put a poll up when this goes live. So, it's and like, good. you know, it's like at Nightcliff Beach or whatever else, the amount of dogs down there. Like, yeah. And so you. They flicking sand. Like, I don't. I'm not a big sea swimmer either. Like, I don't like. You know, the being salt. dumped and salt and feeling like, especially up here when it's boiling oh, hot. Oh, you're a country you, boy. Like a you got that salt and it's And then hot. it dries your skin. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All that sort of stuff. I'd rather the Murray River where you can jump in, sort of Fresh feels water. like it's washed. <laughs> you know, you're probably dirty getting out of it, but it's, you know, you've got yeah. that feeling of it's clean. Mm, lucky you moved to Darwin uh, then. My Murray River's just down the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Well, <laughs> yeah. Just down just the road. Also don't Every jump river into here you jump into, you're going to be eaten. But, so. Yeah, yeah. True. Anyway. Well, Thank you so much yeah, for joining awesome. us. Thank this you. was a really great chat. And it will be you're not going live. Like, cut it. We won't be cutting it. <laughs> I promise uh, you that. Okay. No, well, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Mm. I wasn't sure where it was going to go. Um, this, well, but, honestly, um, most do of the we. time, neither do we. There's <laughs> yeah. no structure to this. But no, thanks. We really appreciate it. And all the best for the future with it. Thank you. All right. Like, subscribe. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye.